You're listening to Brave Girls with Tracy M, where we choose to empower you to be a better leader, mentor, and coach in the world. We'll share stories of people who have achieved great heights by overcoming adversity and rising to the challenge, all while pursuing their passions. These courageous people will inspire you to have faith in yourself and take bold action. Right here with the host of Brave Girls, Tracy M. Episode 72, Right On Sister with Brooke Warner. I'm so grateful that I was able to interview California native and leading independent book publisher, Brooke Warner for the Brave Girl podcast. Before she launched her own venture, Brooke was the executive editor of Seal Press, one of the most enduring feminist publishing houses in the country. She currently sits on the boards of the Independent Book Publisher Association, the Bay Area Book Festival, and the National Association of Memoir Writers. We both share our love of books, writing, and the life of a creative, and we talk all about these things on today's show. In addition to Brooke's publishing role at She She Writes Press and Spark Press, she writes a monthly column for Publishers Weekly and is the president of Warner Coaching, where she mentors and coaches authors. You'll want to check out her website to see how her publishing model works and merges the best of the traditional publishing model with new and innovative strategies for first-time writers and emerging creatives. With more than 32,000 members and more than 350 groups, She Writes is the world's largest online social community for women writers at every stage of their writing lives, working in every genre and representing every generation. In addition to her publishing work, Brooke has also written several books, and her most recent book, Write on Sister, is now available on Amazon, and I highly recommend it. I also recommend Brooke's weekly podcast, Right Minded, that she co-hosts with Grant Faulkner of NaNoWriMo, a community for writers. Each episode features a pep talk, a green light moment, and a writing action. You'll also want to watch her TEDx video, Green Light Revolution, Your Creative Life on Your Terms, where she talks about, which she talks about on the show. I hope you enjoy this episode of the show as much as I did creating it. I just love what Brooke Warner represents. And I believe we all need to write on sister. So welcome to Brave Girls with Tracy M. Today, I have Brooke Warner on with me, and she is the publisher from She Writes Press and Spark Press. She also is the owner of Spark Point Studio. And most recently, her company was named the 2019 Indie Publisher of the Year. And she has an amazing TEDx talk called The Greenlight Revolution, Your Creative Life on Your Terms that you can see on YouTube. And she also has a podcast called Right Minded, Weekly Inspiration for Writers. And most recently, she has her newest book, Right On Sisters, Voice, Courage, and Claiming Your Place at the Table. So welcome to the show, Brooke. Oh, thanks for having me, Tracy. Yeah, so I understand that you entered the publishing industry at a very young age, and you've seen the publishing world evolve. Um, And so what really kind of inspired you to go into publishing? Well, at that age, I was 23 when I got my first job in publishing, and I was inspired by really just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I, uh, I had gotten a degree in international affairs, actually, and decided that that culture wasn't right for me. I had gone to school in DC, but I was a native Californian and I wanted to come home and I didn't want to do the things that I was studying. And so uh, I, 
I said to my mom, you know, what should I do? I, I'm just going to get a job. And she asked me, what do you love? And I said, books. And she said, well, you can get a job in that. And so I, that's how it started. I, I just started putting feelers out. And I was very lucky that we happened to have a family friend in the industry who gave me some pointers and I got a, a job interview. Uh, and so that's the story. I mean, it wasn't like one of those things I always wanted to be a book editor. It sort of happened as a result of being a person who loved books and then realizing like, oh, that is actually a job. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And so you're in California now, Berkeley, California. Yeah, I've always worked in Berkeley, California, ever since my first job. Yep. That's great. So She Writes Press, are most of these women that are first-time authors or um, talk a little bit about? It varies. Yeah. A lot of the authors are, but not all. A lot of authors have um, been in traditional publishing in some capacity in the past, but then the industry has changed so much that they struggle to get traditional publishing deals or they're surprised by the new rules of publishing that are preventing them from getting in. The biggest issue is that it's so much more saturated and so more, so much more competitive and there are more authors than ever. And so there do need to be more options for authors as a result. Uh, but it's hard, it's hard for me to say, but if I could ballpark it, I would say that 80% are new authors and 20% are returning in some capacity. Right. And then uh, is Spark Point Studio, is that sort of your supporting organization that um, provides kind of the support that an author would need for like marketing and branding and yeah. messaging? <laughs> We're a little bit of a complicated company. And I do want to correct one thing in my bio because I'm not the owner of Spark Point Studio. I'm oh, a okay. publisher and co-founder of She Writes and the publisher of Spark Press. Uh, but we have a CEO and founder, Crystal Patriarch, and so we're a female-run company. Um, and basically, Sparks Point Studio is the parent company of all of oh. these many companies, entities that we have, which includes a publicity firm called BookSparks. And so it's a, it, it is complicated, but I also think it's helpful for authors to understand that we have this larger mechanism because I think it is the support of BookSparks. And when Crystal and I first got together in 2014, which was two years after She Writes was founded, we saw that we had real synergy, that we were trying to do something very similar, but I brought the publishing expertise and she brought the publicity expertise. Got it. Got it. That totally makes sense. So talk a little bit about your TEDx talk, The Green Light Revolution, because I thought you brought up some really good points there about what you were seeing in, you know, having to be a celebrity before you even could go into traditional publishing and, and how people who are really creative were just doing their own thing because that they didn't fit that mold. Basically. Yeah. I mean, it's what I was seeing. And I wrote this book called Greenlight Your Book. That was my last book. It published in 2016. And after that book, I just thought to myself, I want to do a TED talk on this topic. And I, uh, and, and I, at the, the funny thing was that I didn't even realize at the time that the term for these people would be greenlighters, you know, it's so (laughs) obvious. Right. I was like, what am I going to call these people? Um, And I'm like, oh, right. The green lighters, which is just perfect because that's exactly what they're doing. And and to your point, there's a whole army of people who are green lighting for all kinds of reasons. It's not just because they're being rejected. Many people are green lighting because they are opting out. 
because they want to do things a different way, because they want creative control. And I find this particular group of people incredibly energizing. And so the thing I talked about explicitly in my TED talk, and the reason that I used examples from movies and music is because these other industries show us better models. Music and film are doing a better job of honoring and uh, celebrating green lighters than book publishing is. And there's lots of reasons for that. I think historically because of what book publishing is and how it sort of started out as a pretty, um, it, it started out as uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word I'm trying to find right now, but where someone supports someone, a patron, a patron model, right? Where right. Um, patrons would support the authors, the authors would publish and that has never been the case in film and music. And so I think that's part of the reason that things are different in book publishing. Um, but anyway, I, I really would love for book publishing, and I think it's doing a better job than ever, to celebrate indie authors. And also, as I say, to judge a book by its content. Because right now, books are often judged by the celebrity of their author. Right. And so you're able to bring people that aren't celebrities out into the world and share their creative works. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, when I say celebrity, like celebrity might be a high threshold for some people. It's author platform, right? Like that is almost an industry obsession. And in order to have an author platform, you have to have stuff going on. You know, it could be something like your podcast. It could be that you have a popular blog, but there are a lot of authors that we're publishing who don't have that yet. And it's kind of a catch 22 because the common wisdom is that the way to build an audience is through a book. But how do you get a book deal if you don't have the audience? And so people get stuck in this place. And so I think then the only way to do it is to greenlight your first endeavor and then to get the book and then to build your author platform off that first book. Right. Right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. It's like the chicken and the egg. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember I read um, Michael Hyatt's book, Platform, in like 2009, like right when the economy tanked, and like his big um, piece of wisdom in that book was to buy your domain name, um, even if you didn't know what your platform was going to be, even if you right. didn't know what your brand was, and so I, that was one of the things I did, was I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing, but I got the real estate to build it out and then grow it, and so a lot of times when I'm working with my coaching clients, that's one of the suggestions I always make, I'm like, by your name, like by your yeah. domain, domain name on GoDaddy and build it when you figure it out. Like that's always Yeah, it's great advice. And my coach told me something similar. You know, when I was starting my business, she said, think about what you want to look like in five years, not what you look like now. Think big because in the beginning, it's very intimidating. And people can say, oh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z, you know, whether it's like send out a newsletter or to your point, buy your domain. And then you sit and you wait and you miss out on opportunities. And so it's great advice. And I also really liked Michael's book. I, I read that book too, when it first came out and he was spot on, you know, I mean, that is a, a lot of the beginning of our understanding about author platform because author platform was really just starting to be a thing probably in 2005, 2006. Right. Right. Yeah. So what do you find with um, your, you, um, once they write the book, they have, they, they don't have a platform, they create, you know, create a platform. So like the person I'm thinking of is a person that introduced me to you, Catherine Taylor. She was a first time author who wrote her memoir and you guys really stood her up as 
someone as a creative with a story. So somebody like that comes to you, how do you work with them? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about our model. Our business model doesn't require the authors to have any kind of platform. Someone can come with zero platform, with no website, with no previous publishing under their belt, because the whole notion is that we are a platform for authors. And so we, and, and I think what authors like about our model is that we do treat them exactly the same as we would any other author. It's a very democratic model. We encourage our authors to hire publicists. It's not required, but we're very transparent about the fact that if you hire a publicist and, and work in the way that you're supposed to work with a publicist, then your books will sell better. I mean, it's also this, this kind of complicated thing in publishing, which is the more publicity you have and the bigger your campaign, the more exposure for the book, the more the books sell. And so this idea in publishing it that you have to spend money to make money. <laughs> you, know, you have to have a, a publicist to push the books, to sell the books. And so we, I spend a lot of time educating my authors about the industry and what's what and trying to get them very clear on exactly what they're going into so that they enter into this with their eyes wide open. Don't some people enter it thinking they're going to write a New York Times bestseller? <laughs> I mean, I think that's, you know, the couple books I've written, I, I, when I get on stage and I speak, I say, I didn't write this to become a New York Times bestseller. I didn't intend for it to be that way. I intended it for, to be a useful piece of content for my people, yeah. right? So I think different people, everybody, yeah, everybody has a different intention, yeah. you know? And so I think it's, it's being really clear about what your intention is. You know, some, yeah. some artists are, it's art for the sake of art. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? and, and everybody is different. And some people have multiple motivations. And sometimes people are not honest about the fact that they have very, very high expectations. And then they're disappointed later. Some people will say, I, I am going to be your best-selling author. And I appreciate that kind of passion and drive, but it is my job to also say, that's not just going to happen. Just because you have a fantastic book that you believe in, there's a lot more work that needs to go into it. And so it's, it's important because I do think it's one of those industries that people come to with stars in their eyes and, mm -hmm. and people have very strong feelings about their books as they should. They treat them like they're babies and they have a lot of feelings invested in them. And so that makes this job that much more layered and nuanced because I know that I'm handling people's very close emotions in addition to their ambitions. Yes, yes. Well, and by being um, an, an indie publisher, does that allow you a lot more flexibility and freedom than, say, a traditional publishing, kind of the, where you came from? Absolutely. I mean, 150%, right? Because the model that we have, which is called hybrid publishing, is one in which the author subsidizes the work. And so they pay a publishing package. And in exchange for that, they get much higher royalties, um, and so we're sharing that risk and the author is benefiting from their risk. And so some authors are doing tremendously well and making lots of money. Many of our authors are earning out their publishing expenses, but to make mm -hmm. a profit in this industry is very difficult, but it allows us then to judge the book exclusively on content. We're not trying to say that we need to sell 10,000 copies to make the book work. For, uh, for our authors, if success is earning out, 
then that is not 10,000 sales. You know, it's a lot lower than that. And especially because they're keeping the majority of their royalties. And so it just gives us a lot of flexibility. And, and I think as a result, it allows us to elevate lesser known voices. And, and we are looking for, you know, all, basically just anything that speaks to a, a readership. And so we're evaluating based on the content alone, which was always my goal. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your Noah's book and, 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 and kind of um, just talk about that. What kind of inspired you to write it, what your intention is, who, who should read it and, and where they can find it. So the book is called Write On Sisters and the subtitle is Voice, Courage and Claiming Your Place at the Table. And I wrote it for, as often is the case, my writers, my authors. Uh, and so since I work primarily with women, She Writes Press is a women's only press and Spark Press publishes mostly women, um, but although we do ha have a handful of male authors. Uh, but it really is this sisterhood that is She Writes Press that inspires me and gets me thinking about the issues that are unique to women because I speak to women all the time and I confront women's emotions all the time and I confront the real barriers that exist for women. And I've been working in women-only publishing. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I've been working in women-only publishing for... Uh, uh, since 2004. So it's been a lot of years. So the book comes from my experience um, working with women, seeing the barriers that exist that are unique to women. And I wrote the book basically in sections talking about the different kind of conditioning that women face, which I determined to be historical, social, financial, and psychological. And then I talk to women about sort of what's what, you know, what does the landscape look like and why are some of the things that they feel very real and then encourage them to basically shift their paradigm. Because I think a lot of the conditioning is uh, stuff that really exists that keeps women struggling or, you know, wanting to share their truths, but afraid to do so. And then, um, and then encouraging them just to go for it no matter what. So it's part cheerleading <laughs> mm -hmm. as well. Uh, but I do think I have my finger on the pulse of a lot of the real life uh, barriers that women face and, and some of the ways that they hold themselves back. Uh, and then, um, and, and, and so that's it. I really have wanted to write this book for about the past 10 years. And so it's been now is the perfect time. I mean, we're in the middle of such an interesting moment for women. Uh, I think because of the aftermath of the Me Too movement, women speaking out and up, you know, women wanting to get more involved in politics. I think we're just seeing this everywhere. And so it is a really interesting time for my book. And I'm pleased that it's out now and, um, and it's available wherever books are sold. So it shouldn't be too hard for people to find it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. And then I'm thinking that if our listeners want to get a copy um, to kind of orient themselves to kind of your perspectives and the themes that you've seen, um, if they are interested in then approaching you about um, maybe an idea, book idea that they have, they probably should read this book first. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, I think this book is really for women who feel like things are not totally fair or who feel that they have been discouraged in some way. It's for a woman who faces rejection and feels a little not sure 
they're handling that in the best way or if they feel like they're getting in their own way in some capacity. So that's really who this book is for. If people are like, oh, I want to publish and I want to figure out this whole publishing landscape thing, I would recommend my other book, which is called Greenlight Your Book. That mm -hmm. book is really my book about publishing, gender neutral. Uh, and, and this book is very gendered because I wanted to write a book about my experience in women-only publishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, talk a little bit about your podcast and what your intention was with the podcast. And you've had some amazing people on there. Um, one of the people that I have taken writing workshops with was Danny Shapiro, um, who I just think is amazing. Um, but, you know, what, what's been the response to your podcast? Because I guess it's been out for about a year now. Yeah, it's been just a year. And the idea was to reach people. <laughs> that really was it. I mean, if you're thinking about what, you know, like the kind of business that we have, she writes, in addition to a publishing company is also a community. We have mm -hmm. SheWrites.com and it is a community of women writers. And my co-host Grant Faulkner is the executive director of NaNoWriMo. And NaNoWriMo mm -hmm. is also a community. And so she, he and I are friends and I thought that would be so cool if she writes in NaNoWriMo partnered to support community and do writing inspiration. And we have such similar views on writers, this notion that everyone is a writer and that everyone should tell their story. It's a very sort of, um, you know, uh, democratic, I guess, way yeah. of looking at things. And, and that is our philosophy, our mutual philosophy. So it's an inspirational podcast. It's meant to be short. I think we keep it to like 25 minutes per episode. And we have brought on really exciting guests and Grant and I talk about a theme that we determine for the show. And then we bring on a guest who in some way encapsulates that theme. Like Danny Shapiro, who I also adore. We talked about secrets because her most mm -hmm. recent memoir is about family secrets. And so that was the theme of that show. Yeah, yeah. So for any of our listeners that are looking for other podcasts out there, because I often get asked, you know, what are your podcast recommendations? This would be a good one, especially for someone that is a writer or um, a read, even a reader, you know, wanting to find out more about different books that are out there um, from kind of indie writers, but also the more, you know, traditionally published Writers yeah, like I think it's a great way to discover new writers. A couple of people told me that, especially when we brought on Pico Iyer, who I've long admired, and a couple of people were like, oh my God, I can't believe I've never heard of him, and he's amazing. And so in that way, yes, I mean, it's absolutely geared toward writers, but every once in a while, a non-writer will email and say, I, I really enjoyed this just because they liked the author, they liked the interview. So that's been encouraging. Mm -hmm. Do you have events for your community or um, for the she writes yeah. community? Yeah, we for the she writes authors we host a, a retreat every other year, and so mm -hmm. there's that. Sometimes the authors do events together, like bookstore events, panels. They do writing festivals together. Sometimes they're organized by the authors, and sometimes they're organized by us. We try to get the community together, whether we organize it or whether they organize it. And we have a secret Facebook group. And so the authors are all connected. Mm -hmm. How many authors have you worked with? So We've signed about 500. Yeah, over wow. Yeah. So it's been, uh, and, and that is a new threshold for us. And we're seven years old. And at this point, we're publishing about 80 books a year on the She Writes list. And 
about uh, 20 a year on the Spark list. And so that means 100 total a year at this point. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And, and that's where we're capping it. <laughs> right. So that we don't grow Capacity. too big. Yes, too big, too fast. But there's a lot of interest in what we're doing. And I think we have a, a niche space in the publishing industry. And, and I'm happy to be leading the way for hybrid, uh, for sure. Because there's, there's some standards that need to be set for hybrid publishers that, uh, in fact, I'm the chairperson of the Independent Book Publishers Association. And that's one of the primary objectives that we have taken on to try to establish some rules because the hybrid space is a little bit like the wild west of publishing. Right, right. People just feel like they can get into it without rules. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. 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 So, so the pendulum, you don't want the pendulum to swing too far crazy from what was traditional. Right. And so kind of just not regulating it, but just kind of making it make some sense. Right. From a right. business perspective, as well as, you know, a creative perspective. Well, this has just been amazing. I just, um, wow, you have like an amazing story too. So, so you thought you were going to go into international affairs? <laughs> well, I mean, that was my degree. I thought I would be a diplomat, actually. I was really interested in government. I thought I would work for an NGO or something like that. I spoke a foreign language. I, I did it my senior year of high school abroad in Spain. And so I like languages and I like travel and that was, and, and government, and I'm still very politically active. Uh, but I also really disliked the culture in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, your business is probably global or, or probably because <laughs> of the internet, you have a global reach, right? Right, that's so true. It's kind of like you come full circle, you know, back to your roots or whatever. I, I think it just is amazing. I, I really enjoyed um, learning more about the hybrid publishing. What was the reaction from the traditional publishing world when hybrid publishing kind of came on the scene and niche players There's, like you kind of like <laughs> they've been a little bit dismissive i would say um they it, it's almost like who cares to the traditional folks it's kind of interesting some people have been really supportive and applauded the idea behind it because they realize how hard it is to survive in publishing as a new publisher. Interestingly, the biggest negative reaction has come from the self-publishing community. And I, I think it's because they see hybrid as trying to one up in some way, shape or form. It was never intended to be that, you know, the idea behind hybrid has always been to give authors access to give a level playing field. Um, and what and that's through book distribution. And so we have traditional distribution and I, I don't, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, the, the places that sort of buck against what we're doing, who claim that you know, the biggest, the biggest uh, criticism we face is, well, you're no different than vanity, but of course we are because we vet the submissions and we have traditional distribution and our books prove out that we're different. And so I, it, it is interesting to me that, you know, people start to sort of take their positions. I, I think we've overcome a lot of that stigma because the books have earned their right to overcome that stigma. Um, but it's certainly one of the things that I fought a lot against. I had a lot of activism in my early years just trying to claim legitimacy for our model. And I would say that it's largely been a success. Uh, but there are some ways in which just because of the nature of the industry, there's some pretty 
firm lines in the sand, right, where authors who are author subsidized in any way, shape or form can't enter certain contests or qualify for certain awards or be members of certain organizations. And so we, so I'm still fighting, you know, it's one of the things that I'm still working on. Right. Right. Well, and time will, it will probably evolve over time. I would imagine. I think slowly, so. but slowly, but surely, you know, absolutely. And the more high profile people opt for indie publishing, the better it is for indie publishers as well, because it's, these big names saying, I'm not going to do this, I don't want to do this, or I can't do this because of a particular kind of book. And that's already happening. You know, people who are saying, I'm just going to do this book on an indie publisher, or, uh, you know, I'm choosing this because I want more creative control. So it will, it will prove itself out over time. Yeah, yeah. So my finale question is always, what's the bravest thing that you've ever done? And how does it inspire you today? So yeah, for you, what would that be? <laughs> I, I have to say, I mean, there's like a, a work-related one and a personal-related one. So I'll say the, the work-related one is my TEDx talk. You know, I mean, it was terrifying, although I have certainly done public speaking before, not in that kind of capacity with an audience of 400 and dark darkness with lights shining on you. And then I had memorized the whole thing. And so all you're thinking is, I'm going to forget my lines. Um, and it was a brave thing to do both to do it and to memorize it and to deliver it. Uh, but the thing that it's, it did of course is because I got through it is <laughs> uh, it, it's given me a new level of confidence. It, it really supported me to be like, I do have a message. I can package it in this way. And I, it's been interesting and helpful for me in thinking about other authors and the ways that they're reaching audiences. Um, and then I will say that the thing that comes to mind is skydiving. <laughs> and I just, I did that in my twenties and it was, again, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of heights and the way that it impacts me even still all these years later is just to remind me to take risks that you never get anything done because you sit there and say, well, you know, maybe I could have done that. And so if there's something that you want to do and certainly, and obviously this pertains to publishing a book, I say, go do it. Yes. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> yeah. You never know when your last day is going to be. And so you, you don't want to have, if you, if, if you have that, I don't know what it is. If you have that intuition or that hit that you're supposed to write a book or you're supposed to tell a story or your story or whatever, you know, I always say, just write it, you know, Absolutely. that's, you know, you don't have to publish it, but just write it, even journal it. Like it's just so therapeutic for on so many levels. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm going to put this out there because you're terrified. You're, you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable with your writing. And, exactly. you know, it's just, um, I think writers are some of the bravest people out there. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's incredibly courageous. And that's why I put courage in the subtitle of my new book, it requires a lot. It's not just doing a great job with the writing or executing the craft. It's really being vulnerable on the page. And it's scary. I, I recently wrote an article uh, for my new book on Salon and I had this mo and it got on Salon. And, and when it went out, I was like, <gasps> you know, I just had that initial like, oh my gosh, it's so personal. And then some negative comments start coming in and you have to steal yourself. And yet it's the best exercise you can do is put your voice out in the world and 
you know, how people react is kind of their problem. It really is. It's more about them. It's like, I have a friend who says, um, don't pay any attention to the trolls. Right. Because she said, you've just triggered them. That's all. Exactly. Said, you know, you know that you've put your best work out there and you know what it took to make yourself vulnerable and to put your work out there. And so oh, she, what she says is don't feed the trolls. Yeah. She goes, don't feed the trolls. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. always like, never feed the trolls. Never feed yeah. the trolls. Yeah. Don't yeah. respond to them and do your thing and, you know, move ahead. And so that's, that's also my message to, to women absolutely in this book too. Yeah. And, and you don't know, and I even feel this way about my podcast. I don't know if you feel this way, but there are things that my guests say in conversation with me um, in just our general conversation that is exactly what they needed to hear that day. And right. we don't even realize it and we don't even think anything of it, but it may just be that moment of inspiration that they need to pick themselves up, to have that courage, to not feel so alone, to not feel so you know, negative self-talk to themselves. And, and, and we just don't know that, right? And so we just have to show up as our most authentic self with, you know, what we've learned. And um, we're all, we're, we're teachers and students at the same time to each uh -huh, other. Yes, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for making yourself available. I hope people watch your TED Talk. I hope they listen to your podcast. I hope they look at your books. I hope they go to SheWritesPress.com to learn more. Um, I think you've, um, you have a lot to offer uh, through your experience um, to people that want to put their work out there. And so I'm really glad that you had the courage to go out there and become your publisher of your own, you know, um, and that you've taken what you've learned. And I feel like, just like you said, I feel like the time is right for not only your book, for, but for what your business is doing and giving people this hybrid publishing model. Um, and I, I think it's fantastic that you've put out 500 authors. That's amazing. I mean, it's 500 people that may have never made it out into the world, you know? Thank you. Thanks, Tracy. I really appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Brave Girls with Tracy M as much as I did creating it. Each show is produced with you, the listener, in mind as you look for inspiration and motivation from other brave souls as you pursue your desires. I'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave me a review on iTunes. I read every one. And check out my website, tracym.com, for more free resources. You can also join my list and sign up for my newsletter right from the homepage. Until next time, stay strong, believe in your dreams, and go do something brave. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Brave Girls with Tracy M and hope that you enjoyed the show. For more information about today's episode, as well as additional free resources to help you achieve greatness in your life, visit tracym.com and sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, dream big, believe in yourself, and let your brilliance shine as only you can do.